This is the Frontier of Finance, the podcast that covers the hottest new funds and important milestones of marquee funds in Canada. On the Frontier, we go directly to the source, interviewing portfolio managers, executives, and sales leaders at the top asset management firms. Stay on top of the latest innovations, react to market trends, and make better investment decisions for your clients. I'm your host, James Rockwood, and I'm welcoming you to the Frontier of Finance. We're back on the Frontier of Finance with our first revisited episode. Today, we're checking in on a fund that was introduced in one of our earliest episodes last year. I'll get to ask questions about what's happened since launch, how the fund has performed, and how advisors can talk about it with their clients given today's economic climate. So let's get into it. The Longevity Pension Fund, offered by Purpose Investments, hit its one-year anniversary last month after a year of making headlines and inspiring conversations around retirement income solutions. I'm excited to welcome back our guest, Fraser Stark, to shed light on how this unique fund has performed and his lessons one year later. Fraser is the president of the Longevity Retirement Platform at Purpose and brings over 20 years of global business leadership experience. Fraser, we're glad to have you back on the show. Welcome. James, thanks for having me back on. I'm excited to dig into this. I think it's a really interesting time just with markets and economy and outlook and interest rates to be talking about investment products and to be talking about different types of investment products. Before we start to dive into the longevity pension fund with purpose, I'd love to talk a little bit about what some of the bigger trends are that are happening in the retirement space as a whole, lifestyle, education, et cetera. Yeah, you know, there's a tremendous amount happening in retirement these days. And I, I think the biggest is almost a conceptual reframing of how people are thinking about it. So while retirement used to be considered a 10 to 15 year uh, vacation almost at the end of one's working career, you know, increasingly with added lifespans and just a new attitude on, on this phase of life, people are considering it a 10 to possibly 40 or even longer, um, almost a third act in their life, you know, that can frankly be as rewarding and fulfilling as the first two were. So that's a, a real reframing of it. And obviously on the financial side, there's a number of, of challenges and pressures, but it's a longer period and more important period in people's lives. And speaking of those challenges and the financial side of things, what are some of the challenges facing retirees now and in the years ahead? Well, it's just become a period of incredible uncertainty. I think it's no surprise to anyone that there's a lot of market uncertainty right now. And there always is. It's, it's not like 15 or 20 years ago, there wasn't risks in the market. But I, I think now, even as you look out longer term, it's quite clear that the next 25 or 30 years probably don't look like the last 25 or 30 years there's probably a wider range of outcomes. And I think that's concerning to people. Now, even just this month or the last couple of months, inflation has reared its head again after a long period of, of really not being present. And so the value of a dollar no longer means what it used to. And we don't have a lot of certainty about where that's going. We've been told that it's transient for a number of months when in fact it wasn't. And so there's probably a lot of cynicism about the duration of inflation. And third is around lifespans, as I mentioned earlier. People are living longer, but it doesn't mean that everyone's living longer. And so it's stretching out the range of possibilities for someone in retirement to you know, many people who will live into their 90s or well past 100 
And yet it doesn't mean that everyone can plan for a long retirement. Some people will will pass away after a few years in retirement. So there's a there's a lot of uncertainty on those three dimensions, and it, it makes it uh, a uniquely challenging period to uh, to enter. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I mean, we can get to inflation and, and the current market dynamics in a moment, but I also think this, from a psychological perspective, it's an unprecedented time around retirement. So I can imagine in a time like this with such a large number of people approaching typical retirement age, starting to consider it, as well as adding in these various new economic issues like inflation, it's got to be a really different world for uh, current retirees and uh, near or you know people thinking about retiring soon. And that must be a really different and uncertain future. It is. And, and we hear from a lot of those people. And, and there's a lot of anxiety about this. A lot of people have not saved up as much as they had planned to and perhaps know they should have. And they're entering a period where even if things go under normal conditions, it's it's not going to be easy. We see lots of people in different positions as well. There's those that have undersaved, there's those that have saved quite well, but they face many of the same pressures of how do I spend this nest egg that I've accumulated to live the most meaningful life I can in retirement? And, and even if you've done well, you've worked hard, you've been smart with your saving and made good investment choices, it's still a challenging decision to know what percentage of my portfolio do I spend this year when we don't know what market returns will be. We don't know what inflation will be. We don't know if we'll be one of those people who are lucky or unlucky, depending on your perspective, who live to be 106. And so it's challenging for everyone. So we're happy to have Purpose back on. We had you in the first season of The Frontier, which we appreciate the support, to look at the Longevity Pension Fund. And earlier this month, it hit its one-year anniversary. Can you give us just a quick recap on what the fund's all about? Yeah, so this is the first mutual fund in the world that includes longevity risk pooling. So it effectively takes that uncertainty we have as individuals about how long we will live and need income in retirement and pools that risk with other people of a similar age to, to each investor. So it's a mutual fund that's invested in a diverse portfolio of stocks and bonds and real assets, a very highly diversified approach designed to produce return while minimizing volatility. And that approach has paid off very nicely in this market, which we didn't know this was coming, but of course we knew this was a possibility when we launched the fund on June 1st of last year. But what it allows an investor to do is essentially know that even if they win that genetic lottery or or life lottery and and live a very long time, that there's income there for them. And as I'll go into more detail later, we've designed the fund so that under normal market conditions, that should increase over time. It's a variable amount each year. So you can think of it like a product that will pay income for life every year that you're alive. But if markets do really well, it'll increase quite quickly. If markets do very badly, it'll decrease as your normal portfolio would have. And under normal conditions, it is expected to increase over time. There's also uncertainty about how long the group will live, and that's factored into the the rates that are paid each year as well. But we've done extensive work to ensure that people have visibility into what's likely to happen. And ultimately, what this fund allows an investor to do is really to spend more in their early years of retirement and, and all years of retirement because they they know that they will have income if they live a long time. So it allows someone to maximize the spending they do in retirement, having effectively uh, protected against this risk of uh, living a long time. I want to get into the mechanics of that a bit later because I think that's a really fascinating approach and is one of the things we're really excited about to cover when we initially launched it. But it, it's been a year 
What's the response and reaction been since the fund launched? It's been terrific. We now have approaching 400 investors in the fund. Some are in decumulation, so actively benefiting from that longevity risk pooling. And uh, some are in decumulation. So they're under 65, they're saving for retirement, but they want to do so in a vehicle that positions them to have income for life. They can now think about their retirement assets in income terms, right? Which is really how people should be thinking about it. What do the assets that I have, what can those provide me annually in retirement? You know, we've got tremendous interest from people around the world. We're speaking with parties in Australia, in the US, in Europe, about taking this innovation more broadly. We didn't create the concept of longevity risk pooling. This is a tried and tested practice that's existed for centuries. We've engineered it into the mutual fund structure in Canada, and there's, there's similar constructs you could apply to, to different countries. So it's been really wonderful to see that. We also have a lot of employers and people who help employers run their defined contribution benefit plans who are interested in how they can put this into their workplace programs for their employees. And in fact, several companies have access to the Longevity Pension Fund through their workplace program, and some of their employees are now saving for retirement using this product. So that's that's been very exciting as well. You know, we don't have access to distribution through all of the shelves, uh, the dealers across Canada. There's still a number that we don't have access to. And so that's disappointing to know that this innovation is out there and, and we don't yet have access, or many Canadians don't yet have access to it. And so that's a, a big push for us as we move forward, ensuring that more and more people have access to this fund. And has anything changed uh, about the fund since its first launch or any big lesson that you've learned that you want to share? Nothing has changed with the exception that we've become much more transparent with investors about how the fund will adjust its distributions annually. When we launched the fund, we simply said that we'll work with third-party actuarial firms to help ensure that we're setting those distributions at the right level. But to a lot of people looking at a new fund, that wasn't sufficient for them to understand what to expect. And so we worked with LifeWorks, the actuarial firm, for a number of months to define the income policy, the actual mechanism by which we'll adjust distribution rates. And where we landed there was an approach very similar to what a defined benefit pension plan does, the idea of, of looking at the funding ratio. So we look every year at what are the assets in the fund? That's easy to measure. That's just the dollars in the fund. And what are the liabilities? That's the present value of all the future distribution payments that need to be made by that pool of assets. And we then put a lot of structure around how the fund will ensure that it's always paying at the most appropriate level, which is to say in the long run, a 100% funding level. So if that ratio goes above 100%, we will raise distribution rates. And if it ever falls below 100%, we'll reduce the distribution. In the early years, we've added extra buffer to ensure stability for investors. And so there's essentially the, the fund starts in an overfunded position, and that's deliberate. We wanted to have extra uh, assets or thought of differently. We wanted to have distribution payments that were lower than we theoretically could have put them at in order to protect and ensure that distributions are less likely to be cut. And that served us really well in this market. So the fund has performed very well, but in this market correction, you know, had we not put that buffer in, the fund likely would have had to cut distribution rates. But because we were thoughtful about that concept of stability, uh, the fund has been able to hold distribution rates. And if we reset them today, it would continue to hold them. And we constantly monitor 
that funding ratio level, and we'll continue to do so every month in the, while the fund exists. And that allows us to ensure that we're always paying at the right level. What that furthermore allowed us to do by defining the funding ratio is it allowed us to model what the fund distribution level might look like under a wide variety of economic conditions. So we worked with LifeWorks on this as well. We looked at 2,000 different economic scenarios over a 40-year period and how the fund would evolve its distributions under those scenarios. So we used Monte Carlo modeling. And having that data to say this is an adjustable rate, but if you look under the majority of conditions, it raises rates over time. There are examples where it, where it cuts those rates, but you can see how profoundly negative the economic environment was that created those. And it just lets us show people a lot more about what the fund is expected to do. And that gives people a lot of comfort. And as we dive into this a little bit, I'd love to actually chat a little bit about the mechanics of it, just at a high level. If I was an advisor trying to explain how this product works to a potential client, how could I do that really easily? Yeah, the simplest way to describe it is it's the, the, the unique element to this fund is through its redemption formula. So while most mutual funds redeem for NAV, that's pretty widely understood, this fund redeems for the lesser of its NAV or its unpaid capital. So unpaid capital is the amount of money that an investor put into the fund minus the distributions they've received. So if an investor puts $100,000 into the fund and receives $30,000, say, over four or five years, and they either pass away or voluntarily decide they want their money back, they would receive back $70,000, the 100 minus 30, unless if for some reason the NAV was lower, uh, which is only likely to be the case in the first few years, most likely. Um, but that's the, the redemption formula. What does it mean? That means that investors, when they leave the fund, they're leaving in their market returns. They're getting back their capital, they're made whole for the investment, but they're leaving in their returns in the market. And those flow to the other investors in their cohort. That's what's called longevity risk pooling. It, it means that there's longevity credits that flow to the remaining investors. And so investors in the fund, while you're alive and invested, are benefiting from both market returns as well as the longevity credits flowing from investors that are exiting the fund. That's what's so unique about this fund. That's what allows this fund to pay income for some people, perhaps for 45, 50 years, potentially if they live that long, because they're benefiting from these longevity credits. And then how do I think about this if I already have a pension and I, as a client? Is it a replacement? Is it a addition? Is it only for people who don't have pensions? Like I'd love to get your thoughts on how someone would want to use this in a retirement strategy. Yeah, we're actually getting a lot of interest from people who do have pensions, which is funny because it was created almost as a pension for everyone, really to benefit people who didn't have workplace pensions. What we're finding is early on, often it's people who have a pension and understand that concept of I'm able to get more each year because the residual won't flow to my estate from the assets in this fund that allows me to have more income each year. So there are a lot of people that are putting this alongside the income from a defined benefit pension plan. Other people are, to your point, creating a pension from this, right? They, they see the longevity pension fund and they're using it to create a similar outcome for themselves. It creates stability in income. It allows them to know that no matter how long they live and regardless of the economic environment, they will have income. And yes, it will go down if markets perform poorly, but it will also go up very significantly if markets perform well. 
And as we think about inflation, which is, I mentioned earlier, and I think is on all of our minds these days, we know that the portfolio has been designed deliberately so that in scenarios or, or economic conditions where there is high inflation, many of the assets in the fund are designed to increase in value. So things like gold and precious metals, base metals, energy, commodities, real estate. And because that sleeve is in the portfolio, many of those outcomes in which the fund is raising distributions are in scenarios where inflation was running higher. So in that sense, it's designed to help people not inflation-proof their portfolio, but really just align the outcomes to the inflationary environment. What a lot of people are doing with longevity is they're putting a, a slice of their portfolio into this. A lot of people talk about a third, so somewhere between 30 and 40%. You can do it at lower levels, and some people are trying it out just to start and see you know, how it goes. But really, if it's only 5 or 10% of your portfolio, is it meaningful enough to deliver the outcome and the, the um, income that you're looking for in retirement? But at a, a level of between 30 and 40%, a lot of people are able to still have a portfolio to play with, to know that they can make more lavish expenditures if they want. They can buy things if the markets do well. They can hold off on those purchases if they don't with the rest of their portfolio. They, of course, have some government programs, so things like OAS and CPP in Canada, but they're creating more of that income that has endurance and has a degree of sustainability to it. And that's really powerful for people. And you said this is the world's first. Are you hearing rumblings of additional products like this coming to market? Are you looking to expand potentially in other countries? Like, I'd love to get your take on that, just given uh, it's always awesome to see an innovation and then, and then a year on when other people have had a chance to look at it, are they potentially, you know, if you're hearing, is the market moving towards that? Or what do you see as the future of this type of asset class? There's a lot happening both in Canada and outside Canada. So here, of course, the government is working on VPLA legislation. So I think under under a slightly different construct, not available to every retail investor, um, this idea of dynamic payment pooled pension programs is coming to Canada in a, in a very meaningful way. But we're here with it today. And yes, there will be others. We welcome that. We invite that. You know, we've been working on this for several years. It took us a couple of years working with regulators and designing the product. So I don't think we'll see anything right away. But certainly there's other firms working on this type of innovation. Likewise, there's a lot happening around the world in this space. It's not just here in Canada. You know, the concept of a, of a tontine, which you know, often this product is compared to or, or thought of in, in relation to, um, comes from Europe several centuries ago. And, and that is almost comically simple. But that idea of a tontine goes back centuries. Um, you've got innovation coming out of the US in, in Tia Cref product, which effectively was a variable pension program like this. UBC put in place its VPLA in the 1960s. And that's been tremendously successful. It's been paying the staff at UBC in retirement for many decades. And it's, it's worked very well. Australia, who has one of the world's most advanced and innovative uh, pension ecosystems and, and government savings programs, they've got mandates now that these types of variable income for life products must be put into their pensions. And you know, the first of those is actually in place now, and every other pension is, is working on a solution. And so we're in discussion with people in the Australian market and would love to, to collaborate and find ways to support some of those. And of course, you know, the U.S. may not have as advanced and government mandated a retirement savings program, but it's just such a, a, a major economic powerhouse that 
there's tremendous innovation people are thinking of there as well. And, and we'd love to participate. And we're very close to the U.S. Uh, in a lot of ways. And so great innovation here and there. No obvious clear direction that's come through, but people are innovating in different ways. That's awesome. It's really exciting to see how a lot of these retirement-focused products are going to continue to explode as boomers hit retirement age and there's a huge amount of wealth that's going to be transitioning into kind of that next phase. Is there anything else on the horizon for purpose, either in the retirement space or or of note, you'd want to talk about today? Yeah, we, we think of longevity not not simply as a longevity pension fund, but really as a retirement platform. And the core product is the longevity pension fund because the fundamental market disconnect we saw was that there weren't tools that help people take that longevity risk off the table or longevity uncertainty. And so we started with this, but we have a bold ambition to help retirees in a variety of ways, whether that's insurance products through partnerships, whether that's education and, and community, helping people connect and make decisions and support each other, whether that's planning tools. There's a wide variety of planning tools out there, but many of them fail to address the core issue in retirement that's so fundamentally different is that you just don't know how long it's going to be. And so if, if someone says, okay, you're 65, let's develop a portfolio with this risk profile and we'll We'll make sure it lasts until you're 90. Well, if you have a 45% chance of living past 90, that's not an effective retirement plan. And so addressing that, you know, someone said it last week really nicely. They said, you know, you're more than an average. It's like the average family might have 1.5 children, but you have to plan, you know, <laughs> it's not helpful as you're, as you're doing your planning. And likewise, too many people are, are planning as though they were the average and they're not. There's a range of possibilities for each of us. So yes, we have a bold ambition to, to build a whole platform. One of the areas we're focused on most closely is around home equity. You know, many Canadians get to retirement age and unfortunately in financial assets, they may not have saved as much as they wanted, but with what's happened in, in real estate markets over the past uh, few years, they might actually have quite a bit of equity stored in their home. There are products out there today to help, well, Obviously, you can sell your home, and there are products out there today to help you get some of the equity out of your home, but they're not well-designed for the purpose of having income in retirement. They're designed more for you know, a major project or something, the structure of a reverse mortgage, for example, or a home equity line of credit. And so you know, we're looking at what innovation could we bring that would, that would really align the objective that people are looking for, take risks off the table wherever we can, and it's important that the product doesn't layer risk onto people. And it can't be a gamble to invest in, in some new product. It has to be designed to, to really help them under the full range of possibilities for first, how long they live, second, for market conditions, and, and third, I suppose, you know, the value of their home over time. So we're really looking at, at how we can innovate there and apply the same type of design thinking that brought about Longevity Pension Fund to the home equity space. Just as we wrap up today, I'd love to know, what advice would you give someone retiring today? What about someone who's still a number of years out of retirement, but beginning to plan for it? Yeah, for someone re retiring today, I'd, I'd say build a, a plan for income and, and really for the full breadth of your retirement. Like I said a moment ago, you can't think of yourself as an average. You've got to make a plan that's going to work no matter which outcome it is. And you see, you see people that are just incredibly content in retirement because they know that the plan they have, and maybe that's because their employer gave them a, 
defined benefit pension. So they know they've got income coming in every year, but they know that it works regardless of the outcome, you know, regardless of the market outcomes, regardless of how long they live, it just works. And so I think people that, that approach that, that's the main thing. The second part to that is just embrace it, enjoy it, treat it for everything it can be. There's been a lot of, of shifts, you know, they say 50 is the new 40, you know, all these types of things, but but really, you know, 65 is, is kind of a birth for some people. It doesn't mean you have to stop doing things. It doesn't mean you have to play bridge or golf or, you know, relax. You can, retirement just means a, a shift in where you draw your income from. And in fact, even in retirement, many people still create income. They start a small business. But if their career is their primary source of income is over, that's really what we consider retirement. But it can be, it can be rich and fulfilling and meaningful. So embrace it. For someone who's still not yet retired, you know, I think the answer is to save. Unfortunately, we come across a lot of people at Longevity who haven't saved. And it's really heartbreaking to see the challenge that people went. We're able to help people who have some savings mobilize that in the most effective way to create the outcome they want in retirement. But if someone just hasn't saved, and you know, often it's for circumstantial reasons, life threw them some curveballs. But if you've got the ability to make good decisions and to save, you're in such a better position and you can figure out how to spend it in retirement to, to live a full life or you know, support your family when you pass on or, or give uh, extra generous gifts to your grandkids and fly to see them uh, more times than seems economically reasonable. But that's, that's I think, the, the advice is uh, if you can save it, go for it. Look, Fraser, I really appreciate you coming on again. It's really great to be able to come back and see it after a year after it's launched. Such an awesome innovation, really interesting structure. I think an awesome opportunity, really well timed for a lot of Canadians to help them in retirement. So thank you so much for coming back. Great. Thanks, James, for having me. It's always a pleasure. It's never too early to start planning for retirement. As Fraser said, retirement is the third act of people's lives. It's increasingly being treated like any other stage of your life where you must consider a source of income stepping away from the passive employer pension plans of the past. As an advisor, a key takeaway here is to keep in mind that your clients can't think of themselves as an average. Have the conversation with them about how they want to live during retirement. What's important to them? Travel, starting a small business, or moving? Every client is unique and requires a unique plan to help them get their ideal financial future through retirement age. So once again, I encourage you to educate your clients about their options and have those conversations early. Thanks for tuning in to our first revisited episode. And thank you to Fraser for coming back and to share your insights on the longevity pension fund one year in. If you like what you heard today, let us know with a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can also subscribe and stay in the loop with us as we head into our final episode of the season. See you next time on The Frontier.